Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and today we get to look at the Gospel reading for the 18th Sunday after Pentecost. It comes to us from St. Luke, the 17th chapter, verses 11 through 19. And it's the well-known biblical event of the ten lepers. And as you know, you have these ten lepers who are walking, minding their own business, and they see Jesus. And they announce that they're lepers, and Jesus heals them. Uh, they, they ask for mercy upon Jesus. They recognize who he is, and he tells them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And they leave. But yet, as you remember, one turns around and goes back to Jesus and thanks him. And Jesus makes a big deal that weren't there 10 of you who were healed? Why only this Samaritan? Why is he the only one who comes and thanks me? Thanks God. Thanks for this new restoration, this healing. And... What are we to do with this? Is this a text that is about good manners? If something happens to you, something good happens to you, you're supposed to make sure that you say thank you. Is this bigger? What what are we supposed to do with this? And again, I, I ask the question because it's so easy to moralize the events of the Bible. These are good things that you should be doing. It is always good to say thank you when somebody does something nice for you. But that is not the meaning of this event. It's not the reason why, why it happened. First of all, you have to remember that to have leprosy meant that you were outcasted from the community. You could not live with your family. You couldn't live in your town. You actually lived in a leper colony. And that meant you live, lived with other lepers. And so everybody was literally decaying, rotting with this disease, this painful disease. And you had to announce that you were a leper if you came across anybody. That way they could make sure that they stayed away from you so that they wouldn't catch your leprosy. Leprosy was a very contagious disease. And if you were in contact with a leper, there was a chance that you could contract, you could catch leprosy. So by law, you had to announce to everybody that you were a leper and they could take their precautions. I think this harkens to us with the whole COVID situation and how we were in quarantine and how we had to make sure 
that we, if you contracted COVID, you had to tell everybody for trace contacting and all those great things. So this is kind of still fresh in our minds. But I, I digress a little bit. You have this interesting situation where these lepers, they recognize and see Jesus. I don't know how they recognize Jesus. Do they recognize Jesus by the entourage that follows him? Do they know that he is in the area? Uh, we, we don't know. And I just, again, think it's interesting that they pick up who Jesus is. But they also go to him asking for mercy. We see this in verse 13. And they, the lepers, lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They most likely heard of Jesus healing people, bringing people back from the dead. They've heard that he's come to forgive. He's come to renew and restore. And I, I don't know what the situation of the lepers are. I'm pretty sure they knew that there was no cure for their leprosy. It's not like they could go to the local doctor, get some medication, and hope that everything works out. Leprosy was a death sentence, and it took a long time for this death to happen. So they understand who they are. I think it is fascinating. They understand who Jesus is. And I'm not going to, to invoke that they had great faith and they sought out Jesus and they knew that if they just went to Jesus that everything would work out, they would be healed, and everything would be hunky-dory. I don't know if they had the idea and said to themselves, we have nothing else to lose. Let's try this miracle worker, this new prophet, this new rabbi. Let's find out if maybe he can do something for us. And so they go to the area that he is, and, and they do find him. I, I don't know. But regardless, they bump into each other, and they rightly ask Jesus for mercy. And Jesus grants it. He says, um, and the, the scripture reading says, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And this is the act of cleansing. He is sending them to the priest so that they can recognize that they've been restored, that they've been clean, they get to be pronounced clean, and they get to be reintroduced back to the community, back to their families. And we, we hear the, the gospel saying, and as they went, they were cleansed. This is huge. There's no great work in this. Jesus didn't make a show out of it. He just simply told them, go and show yourselves to the priest. It's almost a nonchalant, hey guys, um, it's nice meeting you. Go and talk to the priest and, and everything will be taken care of. I think it's also very interesting that the, the lepers turn around and say, okay, We'll, we'll, we'll go to the priest. We'll, we'll do what you say. They go. And again, I, I don't know if this is faith. I don't know if this is, well, we don't have anything else to do. We don't have anything else to hope in. Might as well do this. I, I don't know. But regardless of the motivation, and we can't see into their hearts, we, we weren't there as eyewitness events or eyewitness uh, uh, bystanders, they go. And then the statement then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back 
praising God with a loud voice. And again, this is huge because Jews and Samaritans did not get along. They did not like each other for lots of reasons. But the Jews saw the Samaritans as worshiping God falsely. Uh, the, the Samaritans definitely come out of the Jewish tradition, but they didn't see Jerusalem as the place to worship. And they didn't follow the right rituals and ceremonial laws and so on and so forth. And the Jews looked down upon them and the Samaritans looked down upon the Jews for saying that this was the only way you could worship. This is the only way you could know God. And so animosity was definitely there. But note that this Samaritan who does who does not go to Jerusalem, who does not follow the rituals and ceremonial laws of Israel, praises God, recognizes that Jesus is the one who healed him, the one who brought salvation, the one who brought hope, the one who brought restoration. Think about this. If you were cast out of your house so that you don't endanger other people, you had to live somewhere else amongst the other dying people, how amazing would it be to be pronounced alive, pronounced healed, and being able to return back to family, return back to community, return back to all the things that you have been missing out on. This is exactly what all the lepers receive. Yet only one recognizes the bigness, the fullness of this restoration. Truly, he was dead. And he was brought back to life. He was given back to his family. He was given back to his home. He was given back to his community. He was given all that the leprosy was taking away. And he praises God. And he fell at his, on his face at the feet of Jesus. And this is a posture of worship, of submission. He is recognizing that this is not just a mere teacher, a mere rabbi, a good guy. This is the one who comes to restore creation, to make right what is broken, to fix the corruption that sin has brought into this world, to heal the sick, those who are dying, and make alive those who are dead, and giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan, and this again is what Jesus says, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner, this person who is outside of the chosen people of God? And he said, rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. So much is happening in this. And one of the things that I immediately think of is if you live in a city with all the great tourist attractions, and if you grew up there, you take a you take it for granted that those are always there. Uh, living so close to St. Louis and driving past the arch, it's like, oh, that's neat. But I see it every time that I, I drive into St. Louis. And the first couple of times, it was amazing. 
but I've been to the top of it. I've walked around that area. I've seen it. I've done that. And now it's just the thing that I drive past. How many times as Christians do we look at and hear the words of holy absolution for the in for the bitter sufferings and death of your Lord Jesus Christ? Your sins are forgiven. And we say, oh, that's nice. And then we just move on with the liturgy. We move on to the next thing. How often do we take a real look at what we have in our baptism, that our old Adam was drowned, our old Adam was buried, and we arose a new creation. We now are participating in the very life of God in Christ Jesus. We have his righteousness that covers us. When God looks upon us, when God sees you, he doesn't see the sinner that you are. He sees the forgiven, living saint he said you were. He has made you alive and says that I keep, I hold, I will provide, and I give you the identity of true life. How often do we really look at this, hold on to this, and cherish this? Or do we just accept it and say, yep, that's good, that's nice, I got to do X, I got to do Y, I got to do the, the daily things. We have lost our enchantment with the might and majesty and the great depth of God's love and God's actions. And think about it. How many times do we really praise and thank God in worship for what he continues to do? Just think about this. The very breath that you have at this moment, the fact that you are breathing air which sustains your life is by the divine providence of God. How often do you think of something as simple as that? That God gives you the very air which keeps you alive. How often do you think of every breath and think of every breath as a gift of God? let alone all the big things in your life, the gift of family, the gift of church, the gift of job, the gift of whatever. How often do we take all of these for granted and we end up misusing them? And this is what is revealed to us in this gospel lesson, how quickly we take for granted, how quickly we misuse, how quickly we just assume. And I, I don't think that we're arrogant in this, and I don't even think this is prideful. I think we become so enamored in the shiny new things of the world or even just the mundane things that we get bored and that we just move on with life. How many times have you heard a sermon? How many times have you sung the hymns? How many times have you gone through the liturgy that it just becomes so routine that, well, it's just the thing we do? But yet the very word of God, the very actions of God are there. God's power and might are connected to what takes place in the divine service. Your God, your created, your maker 
is coming to you and has invited you according to his mercy into his presence and giving you his life, giving you his peace, his mercy, his gifts, instead of the wrath that we deserve. But yet, and even as pastor, this is taken for granted. This is taken as, yep, that's what we do on Sunday. That's how we do it. It's the same old, same old. And we forget who is God and what he has done for us. And this is a humbling reminder and that we should, with actual urgency, be praising and thanking God, not in this fear and quaking, oh God, please do not smite me for my lack of thankfulness, but understanding that God is the all-powerful, the mighty, the merciful, the loving God who continues to stretch out his hand and lift us out of the dirt of our death and bring us into life. And so, dear listener, ask yourself, what is there that we shouldn't be thankful for that God continues to provide for us. Even the, the, the bad things that happen in our life are yet also gifts and opportunities to trust God even more, to look to him to get us out, to relieve us, to strengthen us, to not only be better Christians, but be better servants to our neighbors, to better be who and what God has made us to be, his children his people. And so when we look at this text, let us remember that we, in our sin, were as good as dead, literally dead and damned. And God came to us and said, before we had a chance to act, before we had a chance to say, Lord, please save, please rescue, God came and lived the perfect life for you, fulfilling God's law, God's commandments, God's statutes, God's will, and saying, this is yours, covering you in his good and holy, perfect work. You have been truly healed. And we get to present ourselves to the priests of this world, showing them who we are, and pointing to God and his workmanship, his work upon us. That is your life of forgiveness. That is your life of mercy. That is your life of grace. And these are the things that then get to be reflected in our relationships, in the way we treat the world, how we treat other people. We get to show what has been given to us by the way we act by the way we live, by the way we trust in God. So when you enter in to the divine service and you hear the invocation in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, hear that the work of God is here for you and praise God that he continues to give you what you do not deserve, his love, his mercy, his restoration of creation, bringing you into the right relationship, bringing you into his life forevermore. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. 
I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.